Hey, this is Matt Dwyer, and I just want to invite you to check out themattdwyer.com. That's my website, where it's a landing spot for all things that are the podcast, like my Patreon page. For $5 a month, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You get bonus blogs, bonus content. A lot of my interviews go two hours, but I only post an hour, so there's the part two there. There's episodes in their entirety that unedited a lot of stories that you might not hear in the podcast so go to themattdwire.com become a patreon subscriber there's also merchandise you can buy t-shirts and a phone case i think those are the only two things i have right now but you can also find my social media and see the past episodes every episode is on there um, you can see all, a lot of my past guests. You might discover some people you didn't know were on the show and be like, holy shit, he's had Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips or holy shit, he's had Danita Sparks from L7. So go to themattdwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber, buy some merch. Thank you. Conversations with Dwyer or Dwyer, which I'm going to probably start calling it. Uh, this is a music podcast, and the song that played me in is called Wind on Tin. It is from Jess Williamson, and it is from her album Sorceress, and that is out on Mexican Summer. And uh, this is my first episode of 2022. I'm pretty fucking stoked about that, and this is a pretty great episode. Um, Jess is awesome. We had a really great conversation, and... Uh, I don't know. She's very funny and enjoyable and charming. It was a great talk, and I felt like I was talking to an old pal, and I hope you get that sense too. Uh, I'm still in that sort of, I don't know, man. <clears throat> Coming out of the holidays is a tough one. That week bef- between Christmas and New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day, that or whatever, this whole thing, can just fuck off. It's just like this weird void that I can't snap out of. Plus, I was you had like a really bad a head cold coming out of the holidays and it's just like this double I'm in this cold medicine days but it's just like it I just want life to get back to normal and it's still like this inching moving slow I think you know it would be cool if we moved New Year's Eve that holiday move it to fucking May or June like run the the holidays where we already just eat food and get loaded not that I get loaded anymore. Almost a year without booze. But uh, it's just too much. It's too much. I can't take it. I get the I get the Jehovah's Witnesses. Just like no holidays. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's fun because I have kids. It's fun to see them. Enjoy it. Not so much for me. I know. Do I sound like a... Anyway, I don't know what I sound like. Anyway... Uh, look at the show notes. All things Jesse Williamson are there. Buy the album. Buy it on vinyl. Buy it to stream or digital. Do not stream. Do not use Spotify. They fucking suck on so many levels. And they did a thing. I don't know if I've talked about this. They did a thing where a bunch of comedians wanted their songs to be... They wanted to get paid for the copywritten material, like a songwriter does, because it is copywritten material. And instead of discussing this or negotiating, they yanked their content off of the platform. Just like a big fuck you. And these are like, some of them are friends of mine, but some, you know, Pat Oswalt, Lewis Black. Just, it's bullshit. Anyway. Okay. Let's uh, get to Jess Williamson. This is a great conversation. Show, oh, real, real quick before I forget. If you need a website, my website, themattdwire.com, is done by my partner, Kelly R. Dwyer. She also does My Favorite Murder. She does ologies and a bunch of others. She does political websites. She does artist websites. If you need a website, kellyrdewire.com. Get a website from her. And I think... I was going to say, I think she's flexible with prices, but I don't know about that. I shouldn't speak for my partner. Typical guy, fucking talking for the woman. Anyway, let us get on to the conversation with Jess Williamson. <laughs> Do you 
about a lot lately. We never have to explain ourselves, you know? I feel like I'm one of those guys, people who does like if i call in sick well i don't have i don't have really have anything to call in sick to these days but like <laughs> like i'll i'll be have to like explain like you know like well and it's like you don't you could just say i'm sick fuck you so to speak. totally yeah do you do that where yeah. you have did you used to feel like you had to explain everything yeah it's like yeah. a guilt Christian, Catholic, I don't know where Absolutely. yours come from, but that's where my bullshit comes from. It comes, yeah, from, like, being really afraid to, like, upset people or for them to think negatively of me or something. But uh, less is more. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> did, you, did you confront that in your own life? Did you, were you like, all right, I'm going to stop doing this? Because I, when you have kids, I notice my daughter says, I'm sorry all the time. And I'm like, fuck, like I passed it to her. Oh, man. Oh, um, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on like, yeah, just, I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a self-esteem thing, you know? I, yeah, sometimes I question if like, I have a friend who's super nice, the nicest guy in the world. And I'm like, is that a confidence thing? Are you just trying to get everyone to like you because you're afraid? Dude, of maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I was kind of like that. I remember like. Okay, when I was in my when I was a teenager, I remember this like boy that I liked, like didn't like me back, or you know, he was like my boyfriend. He broke up with me, and I remember I was talking to one of my really good friends, and he was like, "You know, Jess, you like try so hard to be like the perfect friend, and you know, the perfect girlfriend, and you're like so nice all the time, but like that's not actually what people need." Like you can just like be yourself, you know? And I was in, I was probably like 17. That person went on to become a therapist actually. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it. And, but I thought that was really good advice. Cause I was just like super people pleasy. And that's something that I'm actively working on now is like the people pleasing stuff. You- because that only leads to resentment on both sides. I think, you know? Do you think a lot of that is stems from like upbringing too? Totally. Because I found like I, no one taught me that like relationships have to be earned, be it friendship or romantic. Like I, you know what I mean? Like I felt like, I was just like, why don't you like me? It's like, you didn't fucking earn it. Like I had so many people fuck Mm. me over and it was like, I shouldn't have let them in my life in the, in like when I look at it, I'm like, oh, I should have just told them to fuck off. But I wanted to be liked. I know, dude. I actually I think all through my twenties it was a lot of that. Like I wanted to just have I wanted to have like tons of friends, like and I wanted everyone to like me or something. And now in my thirties, it's like, wait, who do I like? Even? <laughs> you know? <laughs> who do I like? And then like there's this phrase I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is go where it's warm. Which means like lean into the the people and the places and the environments and the situations that make you feel comfortable and good and nourished, like direct your energy that way instead of like leaning into things that are like uncomfortable or scary or, you know, energy sucking. And when I started to think about that phrase, with like people, especially things started to really change in my life in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Like now I'll cut somebody out of my life in two seconds. If it, I'll just be like, fuck, I don't got time for this shit. Like, bye. I know. I used to get so devastated if I thought like somebody was mad at me Yeah. or something. And now it's just like, I, I wouldn't say that I like cut people out, but I'm just like, okay with it with like not really talking for a little bit and like it doesn't have to be the end of the world i used to always want to like fix stuff right away like no you can't be mad at me like let's like work this out and it's like sometimes just like letting it breathe is fine by the way are we podcasting is this the it like is kind of like therapy (laughs) yeah i just jump into it and we go everywhere i don't like love it let's go everywhere 
Yeah, because you probably talked Sounds about good. you probably have talked about sorceress. Did I get that right? Sorceress. Sor- yes. Yeah. I, I I I don't trust my brain sometimes. I got okay. I got I got troubles up there. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> but like you probably talked about it a thousand times, right? And I like, know. What your songs? I know. Come- I know. It's funny because it came out last year, and then I did all the press like last year, like in 2020, and I haven't done any press on it really since. I mean, I can't really, I don't know. In 2021, I don't know if I really did the interview. You know, because it came out in May of 2020. So, yeah, I'm happy to not talk about the... I mean, we can if you want. We don't have to. Oh, <laughs> fuck you, record. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. That record that came out in the middle of a global pandemic needs all of the, it's all great. Of the support it can get. <laughs> Thank you. Do you... What... Do you feel like any of what we've talked about of the sort of wanting to be liked and all that stuff contributed to why you wanted to perform or is that totally unrelated? Dude. Yeah. Like I, I talk about this. I've been talking about this lately with certain close friends of mine where I think there is absolutely a link between like, um, you know, a child that really uh, wants a lot of attention and wants to like be loved and appreciated like that person like tends to become a performer do you know what I mean like I think (laughs) they're they're I mean not that it's like only from a place of like childhood trauma by any means but I do think like yeah like I like I was always like the singing kid the performing kid like literally like having concerts on the playground like in first and second grade like singing and doing dances like for the other kids and shit and it's like because I loved singing and I loved music, but I think also like I was really wanting attention and, you know, outside validation and the outside validation thing, I think goes right into the people pleasing thing that we were talking about, you know? And it's like, now I'm looking at all of that. And I'm curious if you, if some of this like resonates with you too, like, and I'm like, okay, now like how, like I want to let go of the need for outside validation and just make the records I want to make because I believe in it and, and have it be less about like the outcome, you know? Yeah, that definitely resonates. I th- Cause I used to perform and then one day I was just like, I don't know, maybe having a kid had something to do with it, but I just, I didn't, it, which became a mix of time. And also I was like, Oh, I have love. I don't, like I have a different kind of love, but, That's I, cool. but then it shifted to like, I want to just do, I pursued things more if I want. The problem is I'm in Los Angeles and sometimes you're what you want to do and what they want you to do are two different things. And that becomes very frustrating. Yeah. Where I, do you live in LA? I live in LA. Uh, I know you live in LA. <laughs> <laughs> that could have, but I know you're in Marfa, Texas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I live, we live outside of Los Angeles. We lived in, I lived in Echo Park for eight years and then I lived in Glendale, Eagle Rock adjacent for another six or whatever and then a couple other places. But I live in Monrovia now, which is east of the city. Like cool. our Altadena, Arcadia. It's near the foothills. That's nice. It's, that's really nice. It's nice to be like out of LA a bit. Like yeah. it's nice to, you don't hear a lot of talk about auditions at your coffee shop here, which is kind of a nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can like dip in whenever you want. I love that. I have this thing where I feel like I really would love to, before I'm like totally done with LA, like, like even if it's just for a few months, like live in Topanga or something, you know, and just experience like what it would be like to live really close to the ocean and be like kind of out of the city, but you can still come in. For if you need to for stuff, you know. I used to I go out there to Panga a lot, and I it was. I remember I went to a coffee shop once. It's like a weird little world there, though. It's like very insular and like and like these. I went to a coffee shop, and like these two women sort of ascended upon me, and were like, "Who are you?" Like it was almost like I was like, "Are you from really? the Manson family?" Like, it was like <laughs> what? And it, it got real hippie and real weird of, and it, yeah, and it was just like, and I was like, oh, it's like, is it just because it's somebody they don't know? Like, it just like, this that's new, wild. It was really weird. It was a little creepy. Did you talk to them? Of course I talked to them. 
What y'all talking about? <laughs> I just remember like one woman getting a lot of answers about her life from the ocean. Like, and it wasn't like okay. that, like I go and sit with the ocean and like collect my thoughts. It's like real hippy dippy, like, you know, open yourself up to the, you know, all that stuff. Not to knock hippie stuff because I have my totally. strains of hippie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful there and it's great. And the Manson family did live there for a while. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, actually, I didn't know that. I just said absolutely, but I actually didn't know that they lived in Topanga. I feel I thought it was like Malibu. I think it was Topanga and Malibu because there was the, uh, there's that one highway that goes through Topanga and then it ends at a, like a, one of those restaurants. And I know if you Google it, there's like, you could look up where they used to dumpster dive and stuff. And then you too can dumpster dive. Maybe I will. <laughs> that should be the tour. You go and eat out of the dumpsters they ate out of. That should be. Oh that my be. god! <laughs> no murders. Just eat the food that they may have eaten out of a dumpster. Dude, it's probably good food out there. Yeah, we throw out tons of. I mean, I threw out food the other day. I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Like, people yeah. can eat this. America. Back to that. <laughs> Why did you move to LA? Was it like, did you feel you had to? Yeah. Well, like I, I always just really liked LA. Like I was, really, I was always drawn to it. I, I went out there as a kid with my aunt for like a week, and I just loved it then. And the rodeo aunt. Yes. I do my research. Precisely. Oh my god! I know. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> How'd you know that? Um, yep. My rodeo aunt was also an actress and a director. Oh, and shit. I didn't do my yes. research. Well, that's sort of less known because I should say, like, she's not known for those things. She was, she was dabbling. She was dabbling. And so she took me to LA for spring break in fifth grade. And we like went all around to like Mel's diner and we went to like Universal Studios and we went to some actual studio lots because she like knew people. And so we got to like ride around on golf carts. And, um, that's actually when I met Norm MacDonald. I met Norm MacDonald, uh, on one of those studio lots. And my aunt was like, this is Jess, my niece. She wants to be an actress someday. Cause like, that's what I thought in fifth grade. And he like bent down and got on my level and like put his hands on my shoulders and looked me in the eye. And he was like, you will. That's great. Which I thought, I, th- I thought that was such a cool thing to say to a kid. Like, yeah, like, you want to be an actor? Okay, like, you will. And anyway, so then, flash forward, I would just go out to LA a lot on tour and stuff. And I loved it. And always, you know, met really nice people. I felt like there was an interesting music community, you know, would play like these really cool house shows and and I loved Austin where I was living at the time and I didn't really want to leave, but I was realizing that if I stayed, I was going to kind of plateau out because it's like Austin, I think for a lot of musicians, it's, it's not, it's pretty insular. And so you kind of like, I was feeling like if I stayed, I was never going to really get beyond being like the local opener for the national touring band, you know? And, and I just liked LA and I, and I saw like some cool things happening out there and I was like, well, I just want to like check it out. And I didn't even say I was moving. I just said, I'm just going to go for like an extended stay and kind of like feel it out. And so that turned into like a six month sublet. And then I was like in Texas and on tour and then, briefly lived in Texas again for a little bit and then like officially moved out there in like June of 2017. And so now I guess I live there, but I'm gone a lot. (laughs) It's people, I don't know. People don't get LA. Like I think there's so much prejudgment and you can't get it until you really live there. Like it's not, a, it's not a place you go for like a weekend and you're like, okay, I got it. Like you could go to New York, you could go to Chicago, you could go to Portland, you kind of get a sense of it. LA is so complex. I know. I know. And going back to like not explaining, I, both of my parents have never visited me. I've lived there for almost five years. They've never visited me. And they... I guess think I live in like this hellscape that they're like afraid of. And I try to tell them what it's like, but I'm just like, y'all just need to like turn off 
the t- I literally said this to them recently when I was seeing them at Thanksgiving. I was like, you need to turn off the TV and come visit me. And I will show you that where I live is magical and heavenly. And yeah, it's not perfect. Of course, nowhere is perfect. Cities are extreme. You know, they're, they're a lesson in opposites. There's, there's extremes yeah, there's things about living in LA that I think suck and make me feel weird, but I also absolutely love it there. And there's nowhere else I want to live right now. And, you know, and I finally have found like, it took a couple of years, but I finally found like my people and my community and it, and it's like really sweet and like supportive. That was the crazy thing to me that I noticed when I moved to LA People in music, I found, I, I found them to be so much like nicer and more supportive and more open-minded and more like excited about helping people out than in Austin. Like I, I sort of felt like the Austin scene was kind of like, not everybody, like, you know, I had obviously like my friends and everything, but there was this vibe of like, I felt judged for being ambitious basically. And I felt like looked down on for like hiring a PR person to like do press for my album and stuff. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that was like, not that's so cool, weird. That that you know, exists to me. <laughs> well, that would have been 2014. So yeah. I don't know about now, like today and Austin, like, I don't know, but it was like, yeah and then I I came out to LA and it was like oh like so many people that make all kinds of different music are collaborating you know like these weird underground type of musicians collaborating with like pop stars and it's all like coming together in this cool exciting way where like anything could kind of happen and no one's like judging anyone for being ambitious it's actually celebrated and some really interesting stuff is going on chicago's a lot that way too where it's like like indie bands will play with jazz bands it's just like this everybody sort of plays together and it's like that's what it's nice we're all yeah like we're all trying to do this we're all trying to be creative and we're all and it's like why not (sighs) i don't i don't know i it's weird to me like that and because that's such a like the it's weird that the the mentality of 90s music of like don't sell out and all that yes. stuff still is like it still permeates the psyche it's very weird i know and, and it was holding me back i was doing it too like like okay when i was in austin like i was not i was not making like Americana country music. I wasn't making like music that, that I thought could be like very mainstream. And that was just at that time, just where I like, you know, it was my earliest stuff I was putting out. I was, I was experimenting, you know, whatever. And like, now it's funny. Now I'm like almost 34 years old and I'm like, yeah, I just want to make like country music that like everyone's mom likes, you know, like, it's a totally, like <laughs> totally different thing. But like at that age, and there were bands, the bands in Austin that were like really breaking out. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of these people, but like Shaky Graves and like Gary Clark Jr. And like Wild Child. Like, I don't know if you've heard of these bands, but they're making like... I've heard of two of the three. Pretty like radio friendly, like, you know, music or whatever. And I would sort of like roll my eyes at them, even though I, I like knew those people. And, and and stuff. But I was just like, oh, what, whatever. Like they're like, <laughs> they're just you know doing something like not interesting. Like me and my friends are over here like making weird music, you know. And now I'm like, what the fuck was my problem? Like those people are talented, and they were writing and still are writing catchy fucking songs and like touring and traveling the world. I was just jealous and kind of trapped by my own, I think, insecurities. Because like at that time, I think when I was really new to making music. I was insecure. And so I thought like, I need to make it weird. So like nobody can like judge me or something. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think too, when you're young and you're still figuring out what you're, 
trying to do and what your voice is, at least I think there's like a level of, and I'm not saying you were, but there is often is a level of like pretension or, but you're striving to do something more, which is admirable. But yeah. within that, you still, well, you have your insecurity and you're still. Totally. Like you're still, and I don't want to like knock my earliest stuff. Like I, I'm proud of like, you know, I was brand new to making music and I was brave and I put myself out there. And I think what happened is like, yeah, you're right. I needed to do all of that and like experiment. I think it's like, there is some pretension and that's okay. You know, whatever, like, and now I'm so much more interested in like the craft of songwriting and just being like a really good singer, you know? And like, now I'm thinking more about like Dolly Parton (laughs) than I am about like, you know, whatever I was listening, you know, whatever I was like emulating more like back then. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm more interested in like something classic and timeless and, you know, my heroes are, I mean, there's still, I still appreciate a lot of my more like weirdo influences. Like Joanna Newsom is my number one favorite, Really, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. My number one, number one. She's my hero (laughs) I'm such a fan I'm such a fan yeah but you know I look at like yeah like Dolly and Emmylou Harris and Lucinda Williams and these these people that have long careers like I want to be on stage singing songs when I'm 50 you know and so I'm I've been telling like my label and my managers, like I'm done with indie. I'm done. I'm done trying to be cool. I'm done with indie. Like I just, I I think that that world is, is hard. I think it's, it's really, uh, cutthroat and there's no money and it's really fickle. And I'm really interested in crossing over and reaching, um, you know, all different kinds of people. Basically. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I know that, that, that indie world. I don't, is there still that much judgment in the indie world? Like I know I just finished reading a book about called sellout, which was about like the, the post sort of green day punk, like, and the last run of the major labels going after indie punk bands. And it was like, none of the bands I gave a shit about, but, but, but I was just fascinated by that. Like how much, people responded to a band going to a major label like they would get their vans vandalized like it was crazy oh my god and like physical altercations because of like this punk rock ethic and it's like that's only shit that that didn't exist like the sex pistols were a fucking they were on three major labels like it was never a thing until like the 90s and it's just really bizarre to me you're right and now i don't think the label thing matters anymore no one gives a shit what label you're on yeah and does it and two, I don't know if the streaming, if a streaming affects that whole hierarchy of like majors. Or, Probably. But you're on Mexican Summer. That's a pretty big label, right? I mean, yeah. I would like say they're it, one of the bigger know. indies, as far as I know. That's cool. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, okay, yeah. I said like indie rock is judgmental. I think what I meant is just, um, I don't know. I just think people need to kind of lighten up. Do you know what I mean? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's what I mean. I mean, I know there's the old Todd Todd Barry joke about Fugazi and how they charge five dollars every show, and he's like, "Do you think the drummers ever like, hey, how about we charge six, and I don't have to have roommates when I'm 40? And it's Dude. like, yeah, and it's true. Like, there is an yeah. element of like, great, you have your ethic, but it's like when you get older and you have kids, like me, you start going, oh fuck, right, <laughs> right. Like, how old like, were you when you had your first kid? What if I told you I don't recall, but I'm in, <gasps> I was in my forties. I'm old. Okay. I'm in my, cool. fi- I'm 53. Really? I thought that you were, you look 10 years younger. I was going to say that's where you step in and say, uh, you look good for your age. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had your first kid when you were like 33. Dude. Okay. So I just went on this tour with Hamilton Lighthouser and Kevin Morby and literally the tour ended last week and uh, Hamilton has two kids and it was really cool to be around him and talk to him about, you know, being a musician, being a parent. He was 33 when he had his first kid. And I was like, Hamilton, like, you know, what do you, what do you think about the kid thing? Like I, 
you know, I, I, I definitely want to, I think like eventually, but I don't know when, you know, and like no hesitation. He was like, it's the best thing I've ever done. It is so fun. It's the best. I can't imagine life without them. There was no like, oh, it is really hard or this. He was like, no, it's so fun. And I can't imagine life without them. And then the girls ended up coming on parts of the tour and riding in the bus with us and like sit, like towards the end of the tour one of his daughters that was with us his youngest daughter would come because I was singing with him. I was opening the show and I was singing with Kevin and with him during their sets and Koki his youngest daughter was like coming out and singing with me oh, with cool. him on like some of the songs and it was so fun having a kid around and like I you know talk about hippie threads or whatever you called it earlier. Like I'm a very spiritual person. And I think like the universe or higher power, God, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it kind of like puts things in front of us like that for a reason. And I think it was really good for me to see like, Oh, like you can be a working musician and like have a kid and it can just be fun. It is like period. <laughs> it takes you out of yourself. It's changed. It t- it changed my approach to work, and it also made me I th- like more focused with work. A because I'm like, oh fuck, I don't have as much time. Like, like I have a small window of time that I have to work. So it's like I get up, I work, and then I dad. But it's like you yeah. Know, and there's some days where I'm like, all right, wife, you have to take over because I have, and vice versa because she freelances as well. So we're both juggling but at least and the other great thing is even if you go on tour and stuff i'm home i've been home for most of my my oldest daughter is six and i've been around for most of it like i've been there how many kids do you have 15 (laughs) (laughs) in six years 15 and six years well there's four wives um i'm mormon lucky you yeah that's great (laughs) i have two i have two and i i gotta go get Get, go get the snip job so we don't have a third because that just sounds oh my gosh you're gonna get the snip job I, i'm gonna get the snip job whoa dude i feel like more men i wish that? that more dudes would talk about getting the snip job yeah it's like the onus is on the woman like it's only take a so pill could, every day or like oh, yeah. put a thing inside you or whatever and it's like the man could do a thing yeah men suck but also <laughs> that way I can have affairs and not knock somebody up. You know, I can't, I could, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> I, it, uh, like, I would have to leave the house to have an affair and that just sounds terrible. Right. Sounds like, I mean, that sounds hard. Forget all the emotional other stuff. It's like the work it would take. I'm just like, how do people do that? Actually, you don't have to leave the house anymore. And there's like apps. Oh yeah, but I have to leave the house to go get it. Get That's true. <laughs> Unless it's a quick thing in the garage. <laughs> I have a good garage. I have a good fuck garage. It's was that weird? What What's it like? I'm kidding. Is it like a it's, couch? No, it's a typical garage. It's awful. It's nice you have a garage. It's the first time in my life. We have, wow. We rent a townhome. And we got lucky. We found a, a really affordable place, which is almost That's cool. Unheard. What neighborhood are you in, Los Angeles? Los Los Feliz. Oh, right on. I like Los Feliz. Yeah, that I would Me too. I would live there. Or I'd live in Eagle Rock if I went back that way. Yeah, Los Feliz is nice because it's like not right in the epicenter of like all the young people. You know, like it feels like it's like an older neighborhood in that like the homes are older and I think like the people living there for the most part are like older. It's like a lot of families and stuff. Yeah. And it feels kind of like, like classic, like Hollywood. Like, you know, I walk to like little doms and I walk like down, uh, Vermont street and go to that movie theater and go to that, like French restaurant, you know, it's like, yeah, it's kind of magical. There's a romance over there. I like mess hall. And I like that you can always smell mess hall. Dude, I never go there. I went there once and thought it was weird. Should I go there? Uh, we used to always go sit outside for like happy hour. And we'd go, uh, so we'd always go early when no, I like going when nobody's there. That's my thing. Okay, maybe I'll try it. it is, I literally it, went once and it like reminded me of Dallas where I'm from. And I was oh, like, yeah. I don't like it here. <laughs> it's not like a cozy place. That's for sure. It's not like <laughs> Little Doms where it feels like an old rustic, like cozy 
yeah. vibe. And I'm, so I'll give you that. Little Doms is so great. Dude, I haven't been to LA. I've been gone since like the middle of September and I'm not going back to like January. It's kind of crazy. What, what, your family is, what brought you to Marfa? Did you just want to, and Marfa oh. always sounds like I'm mispronouncing Martha. It always feels Have you to, been here? Have you ever been to Marfa? No, I really would like to. My friend was trying to get me to apply for the local radio station jobs there. And I was like, but then. Whoa. There's like a public radio station. I know. That's interesting. Yeah, she Did was, you consider it? I considered it, but I don't think I want to live, no offense, in Texas. And I don't want to live That's in the fine. M- middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a big deal. You'd like move your entire family to this like, really small town. It would feel like I've always lived in cities, major cities. So it would be like, it would feel really weird to just be in the middle of like, and I got, I have no yeah. problems with Texas overall we used to vacation in big bend when i was a kid i've been to texas a bunch oh so you've been out to this area i mean we're not far from big bend and marfa yeah i want to like kind of the zone i mean i guess it's like two hours away i would love (laughs) to see marfa and uh jimmy dale gilmore offered me his house and uh what that's cool he's he was a guest really yeah he did the podcast Oh my god, I'm gonna have to listen to that app. He was fucking fast. I mean, you know, it's Jimmy Dale Gilmore. That's so cool. Did you, Does he have a house in Marfa? He not in Marfa in uh what is the town? Is it Terlingua? I think he has a house in Terlingua. Oh yeah. Nice. That's really cool. You should go. I would like sure. to. But I but I'd question if he remembers me because he's a bit out there. <laughs> it was like a year or two ago I talked to him and you know, he's done admittedly a lot of LSD. Really? I don't know that much about his drug past. I mean, you know, they were pretty crazy, the Flatlanders. Yeah. And he, like, he'll go into jags about, like, Bertrand Russell or something. Like, on, in, wow. during his shows, he'll just start talking about Bertrand Russell for, like, 20 minutes. and. What? Damn, that's tight. <laughs> I love that. Did you come from uh, a music family? Like, did, or is this, was this a... Well, my grandma was an opera singer. Oh, fuck. But not like professionally, like she, I mean, it's sad actually, because she was this incredible singer and then she went to college for, she like got into a music school in Boston, I believe, like a conservatory to do opera singing and went for like one or two semesters. And then her dad made her come home because he said like she needed to like help with the family or whatever. And so she had this amazing voice and she was always singing and... I think that's kind of where I got like the singing gene, if there is one, you know, like, but my parents, well, my mom was a drummer. I mean, my mom's still with us, but she's, she was a drummer all through high school and and in college and stuff. But now she is not actively a drummer, but she played drums and that's it though. Like my parents aren't actively musicians, but they love music. And like, they were always taking me to concerts growing up like my first concert was jimmy buffett when i was like six years old and i like fell asleep like in the <laughs> as one does jimmy, jimmy i don't know i'm not a, i'm not a fan of mr buffett's you're are you like anti jimmy buffett i i think his fans kind of a lot of his fans ruin it for it's this very white guy tommy bahama shirt guys and stuff. i understand maybe i'm being judgmental you are. That's the indie rock thing. Uh, because I feel like Jimmy Buffett is an incredible songwriter, and he's also like kind of a business genius. I've that heard man. that. Isn't he like a trumper? No, he's a Democrat, dude. Oh, okay. He right. like he like raised money for Obama and shit. Okay. No, that's the hilarious thing. I think that there is a deep chasm between Jimmy Buffett, the actual guy and his fan base, his, his, his mostly his fan base. Not like probably, I'm judging the fan base, but I also That's like okay. that you called me it's out for being a D-Rock. <laughs> but I, but I listen to every, like my, if you flip through my record, you, there'd probably be a few. Really? I'm sure. I want to recommend to you an early Jimmy Buffett record then. Okay. I'll do it. I'll listen. Which is, well, there's two that are good. One is called A1A, and one is called uh, a pink crustacean in a white suit coat or something like that. It's basically like not his first record. His first record is hilarious because he's kind of trying to be like um, really folky. 
and it and it's uh, and it's not really working. And then there's like a gap of a couple of years when he like moved to Key West, and then the two the two records that came out right after that, honestly, very good, like very good folk songs, good okay. songwriting, like catchy, like I mean, he was cool. He was like hanging out with Hunter S. Thompson and shit in Key West, and like. I don't know, just like sailing. Uh, yeah. I well, I was very, and this is surely my young man punk rocker in me. I was very anti Grateful Dead, and then Tim Presley did the podcast, and he talked about, and he was, he was a big deadhead. And I was like, really? Like you're a punk dude? Like how is that possible? So I started like listening. I don't, I don't listen to the Dead regularly, but I there's two albums of theirs I like, and I, let me guess. American Beauty. Is it American Beauty and Working Man's Dead? Of course. Those are the ones I like. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They are good. And it, but it's like I saw the Dead and I saw them with Jerry Garcia in high school and. Oh, that's amazing. It was fucking boring. Like I wasn't on. And it every, was boring. <laughs> well, everyone was like, "Well, you weren't tripping." I'm like, "Well, that shouldn't be the like." <laughs> Like you should be able to not be tripping and enjoy this fucking jam band shit. I think that's uh, that that's a really good point. And I like you improvised music. Yeah. I'm all for improvising and jamming and all that stuff. But and I, you know, I also saw Rush in high school and was like, boy, this is fucking tedious. And, and for that, I was out of my mind <laughs> high, and it was bad. <laughs> Dude, I had I like literally last year realized that the that I like the Grateful Dead or I like those two albums. So great. Basically. Like I would like, And I like Europe seventy two. Alright. I listen to the Europe seventy two. It's good. But I change like I don't hate that like I'm like and that's something I've been trying to do is like re listen to stuff that I had prejudgments about. Because I think that because yeah. you evolve and you know more. Like I know this more is about great. So Tim Got you under the Grateful Dead. I'm gonna get you into early Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> uh, you said something in an interview about how you're more like. Did you not listen to a lot of pop music because you were like, oh, I want to be more pop? Or I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably no. Yeah, I never did listen to pop music. What do you when, really. when you say pop? What what? How do you identify? What do you identify as pop? Frank Sinatra? No, I know that's see that's the thing. Like that is such a wide. It's such. (laughs) It's such a yeah. Somebody explained to me the broad term. Yeah, but does it radio pop like contemporary radio pop? Is that what? Well, the thing is, the pop music that I like is not that radio-y. I mean, I I really liked that Casey Musgraves album, Golden Hour, and that was a record where I was like. Oh, this is pop music, but I also think it's interesting. And like her voice is pretty and there's like some other stuff happening. That's that I don't like associate with. Cause I don't actually like most of the radio pop stuff, which I, I wouldn't even like know the examples, I guess. Of that, but <laughs> I wouldn't either. Like I see shit t- trending on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you are. And I'm going to keep it though. I know. Like, I, I know. I know. Right. Like, kind of same. There's so many people that are so famous and I'm like, I have no idea. I know. <laughs> like Billie like, Eilish. Yeah. I know a little bit of her music and I l- like what I've heard. Like I don't judge. Yeah. But, I like her a lot. I think she's cool and I like her music. Yeah. Highland Park native. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I like Billie Eilish. That's actually a great example of pop music that I think is very cool and, and interesting. Something that and it's weird. It's weird. And it's like, it's proof that like, cause people like the, when they're like, oh, it's overproduced. It's like, that's great production. It's really well produced, but it's not overly slick. Yeah. And we're, cause there's stuff where it's just like that, whatever the voice thing is, what is that thing called? Yes. Uh, Oh, auto tune. Uh, like Can we yeah. fuck off with that already? Like, just <laughs> fuck off with it. <laughs> like, it's like it's weird to me. It's like it was like a novelty, and then and now it's like then it was everywhere, and I'm just like, this is ir- it's like, what's next? Robot voice? What are we gonna do? That's funny. I know it's interesting. It's just weird to me that, and this I think goes on in all creative forms of like where there's one thing and everybody grabs onto it, like in comedy. I'm like, and then people, and if you try to break out of it, people are like, no, no, no. It's weird yeah. to me. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. We should be creatively fluid. I agree. Absolutely. 
hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> but it's yeah. Are you sick? Do you have the the Omnicord variant? I got the Omnicord. No, I've got uh, allergies, and there's like a bad air quality in my part. That's the one problem with the San Gabriel uh, Valley is the air can get shitty, and which I'm surprised it's because like it's like trapped. Yeah, I have like air purifiers all over my home, and it still fucks with me. Dude, do you remember like last year, like September 2020, when there were all the fires, and you like literally could not buy an air purifier because they were sold out we that was got wild lucky and i got we got two but but we had to leave town for oh i left town. i came to marfa actually oh, <laughs> I, yeah. left. I was like i'm done here <laughs> the sky is orange and i can't breathe i'm out where we live one of the fires was one of the big fires was right north of us the, oh, the, bob, yeah. the bobcat so we went to idlewild and then we got to the Idlewild, and I was like, "Oh fuck, we're in the mountains! Like these could catch on fire too." <laughs> like, so then What'd we went. Do? We went to the desert. We went to like we found some weird retirement complex in like outside, like Palm Desert, I think. No, I don't. Know. It was like some weird, like double wide community, but it was all like retirees. It was actually pretty nice, and the place we had was nice, but yeah. it was like in the middle of fucking nowhere. Dude, you're friends with Duncan Trussell, right? I feel like yeah. I either heard you I heard you on his podcast or him on your podcast. Both. I can't remember. We've Okay, been... so he like moved away during that time, right? Didn't he like just totally bail? Yeah, he That was, was like the final straw. I, yeah, it was that and he they were trying to buy a house and he's like he's like I could, you know, he's from North Carolina cuz he was just like fucked that. He's like I He's like, I could buy a house, like a fucking house for what I would get like a small starter house for in Los Angeles. I mean, it's stuff like that where I like do have a hard time defending staying in LA. Like definitely like last year when the sky was orange and I couldn't (laughs) breathe, I was like, what am I doing in this hellhole? Like, why am I here? But then, you know, then you are there in like January and all the hills are green and the cactuses are blooming and it's like heaven on earth. Yeah, I mean, every like I grew up in Chicago, and the winter fucking sucks there. Here it's great. Like January here, yeah. I love January in Chicago. It's the best. Can fuck itself. Awful, I'm sure. But yeah, there's like there is like I need a miracle to buy a house. Like I need to sell like multiple television shows. And I'm like, do I want to stay here? Because how much longer are we going to have water? Oh my god, dude. I know. Well, yeah, what do you think? Are you going to stay or are you going to leave? I don't know. The way the country's going, I'd rather be in a, like, because I have friends who've moved to North Carolina and other parts of the country, and I'm like, I don't want to be in a red state. Not if, like, mm. the way it's going. I feel right. like we're headed towards a theocracy. That's what they, those... What's a theocracy? Like, like religion-based government. Like, oh, I feel like it's all Christian. Right. Like, I mean, what's happening is, like, yeah. that's 20, 30% of the country what it would probably agrees with what happened with the Supreme court yesterday. Right. And it's all the crazy, right. crazy Christian folk. And it's like, right, right. the majority of the country does not want that. We're, that's not a democracy. They're just like, <laughs> dude, the abortion thing. I'm like, those politicians, I, I don't think that they really believe what they're, saying because they would all go get abortions oh, yes. right or like it's all about so it, it's it just that's my question like what's this really about is it, and also about votes i guess because like there are a lot of people that that's important to like religious people and stuff i guess i just i'm i'm confused by the whole thing i'm like if you don't want an abortion don't get one and then you know but if someone else wants that why can't they you know do that and (laughs) i mean right this is obvious right (laughs) Right i I, I think it's uh, i don't know to me it's uh, except i don't have a lot of faith in the democratic party either but it's like to me it's like a gift to them because if they decide that's because now they can run on that and be like well because i don't think they had much to run on before i think biden kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's like get the female vote is going to come out strong against this. Like, it just seems like a weird move to me. So it's, I'm also like, what do you have planned? But, uh, I don't know. It's And I feel like this is also going to, they're going to like, now they're going to probably go after gay marriage. Who knows what the fuck they're going to go after. That's wild. They can't do that. Can they do that? 
if it's because, I mean, if they decide to go state by state like they did with this, because it's Texas, Mississippi, they're the ones who made Dude, the, like that would I, be insane. I feel like that's where we're headed. I don't for some reason, but let's check in in six months and see, <laughs> see who's right. But no, it is hard with the leaving LA thing. It's like, where do you go? I mean, I, I always kind of thought I would like, I'm a Texan. I love Texas. It's my home. I mean, it's just the only place that feels like home in the world to me. And I always thought like, I'll just go to LA for a little while and then I'll move back. And now I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, do I move back to Austin? Like Austin is a totally different place than when I lived there. Like, do I, like, I don't even really know where I would go or when I would feel like ready to let go of all the things that I love about LA, which is really like the people there. Yeah. I feel like to a degree, like with me, I'm like something will present itself because I can't move right now anyway. Like it's not an option career wise. I can't go somewhere else. So I have to be here. You need to be there for your work stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that'll change. Um, that's what the goal is, is that I could work anywhere. And I that's would cool. pos- possibly stay in California. Like I would go Northern California. I really like. Yeah. Like that's Me more too. my weather. I want like four. where? Uh, I mean, if it was ever possible, San Francisco would be great. The Bay Area in general. Yeah. Dude, I love Bolinas. I don't know where that is. It's like just an hour north of San Francisco. It's like in Marin. Oh, yeah. That area. Uh, we stopped in Arcata, or is it Arcata, which is north, kind of uh, like the Humboldt area. It was pretty, really great. We spent some time in Fort Bragg. I'd also go to Oregon. Like, I went to Astoria, Oregon. Have you ever been there? Yes, actually, I think. It's, it's like, it's a little... T- Town, but it's also kind of got an artsy urban feel to it and it's right on the ocean the pacific northwest is so magical it is i mean it's such a good point there's all these cool little towns like with forests near the ocean and like nice air quality and like air. cool old houses like pretty nice <laughs> <laughs> Sounds what good. I feel like you could do like in when we were in Astoria, there was like it was very creative. It seems like you could do like you could have a little like hub of creativity there and go leave and go do your own stuff. Like it seemed like you know like little black box theater or something. You do shows, yeah. art, and what have you. Sounds nice. Michael Harley lives in Astoria or right outside of it. Dude, I have been to Astoria because I played a show in a skate park there in like 2016 it's it's great and i like that it was gorgeous i would love to be closer to the water that would make me happy Mm -hmm. was this tour like one of the bigger sort of endeavors you've been on tour wise yeah this tour was awesome first of all we were on a tour bus which i've never done before that was really fun how many people on the bus Ten. Ten? So it was me and all guys. For real? Yeah. Except for when like Hamilton's daughters and his wife came for a little bit. And then uh Kevin's girlfriend, Katie, who's my really good friend, also came for a little bit. So like there were times when I wasn't, but yeah, I mean like most of the tour was me and all dudes. How was that? Bus. Fine. I mean, completely it was fun. It was such a good crew. And we all got really close and now, you know, it's over. And like our group text is like still active. Cause I think we all kind of miss each other. I mean, we had really, really strict restrictions because of COVID. So we weren't really allowed to hang out with anybody except each other. So like, and we weren't allowed to like go out or anything. And so after the shows, we would just like go back to the bus and like, play dice and like eat snacks and like watch TV and stuff. It was pretty cute. That's wild. Yeah. How did you know anyone well or was it kind of like, yeah, well I know Kevin really well and Cyrus who's been playing with Kevin for a long time. I've known, I know both of them really well and I've known them for a few years and been on tour with both of them like several times already. And so, but I didn't know anybody else. 
just Kevin and Cyrus. And then, but then by the end, you know, we're all like family, which is cool. How, how hard is it to sleep in that? Cause you're all like, you got the bunks and shit. Is it like, yeah. is it like summer camp? A moving summer yeah, camp? Yeah, it is exactly like a moving summer camp. The first two nights I could not sleep on the bus and I was like, oh shit, I am going to die. Like I can't. <laughs> do this <laughs> i literally was like okay i guess i'm gonna rent a car and drive my like i i was like really nervous and then something changed like the third night and then i became so obsessed with the bus and we would have like about one night a week off and have a hotel and i would like miss the bus i would like miss my little bunk i, I grew to kind of prefer the bunk to like even just like a hotel bed that's funny yeah it's it's that's it's interesting because it's such a it's like kind of like a movie set becomes such a bubble like you're like everyone's for like whatever amount of time and then yeah and then it ends and it's just like but it's like but then it's like it didn't exist like i did a film that never saw the light of day but we all stayed in these dorms outside milwaukee and everyone was like partying and hooking up and it was like this weird commune and then then i'd like barely ever saw anybody again (laughs) dude that's sad i mean it's weird because like this tour was so good we all were just like we need to do this again you know and i had this thought where i was like what if we did this every year like it wouldn't be goodbye it would just be like see you next time obviously it's not gonna happen but it was sad it was like how can this amazing thing just like be over forever yeah was that wild because i was following it on the instagram every day just staring and refreshing your page (laughs) (laughs) for hours i was doing meth and just staring at your page Uh, was that that should be terrifying (laughs) um was that some of the bigger venues you've played because some of those were pretty big fucking venues right yeah yeah they were for sure how was that awesome i mean a lot of them were these like beautiful old theaters and it's just really special and sorry fun you know was there any big takeaways perform like things that you feel like oh i grew in this way from this that was now they now the questions get hokey now it gets to the hokey part but i'm like legitimately curious that honestly I just learned I learned to relax and not overthink it and have fun honestly and to wear a great green dress thank you yep yeah yeah and just I think like because at the start of the tour you know I hadn't been playing shows for almost two years because of COVID and So I was pretty nervous at the beginning, just like getting back into it, you know? And then something clicked around the Seattle show, actually. And I entered this place of ease and and got to a place where I was just having so much fun. And that was kind of a light bulb moment. Or maybe I should say like a turning point because I don't, I don't think I'll ever go back. Like, I think now it's just going to be fun, you know? And I'm, because it, you know, I I sort of learned that from Hamilton because like when we were practicing, because I sang about like half of his set with him and he likes to keep it loose. And he was like, Jess, it doesn't even matter if you get the parts right, as long as you're having fun. And I realized how true that is. I I mean, you want to get the parts right, but like, a live show is about energy and vibe and an exchange with like people on stage and the audience. And like when I'm all stuck in my head, it's like, it's just like, yeah, worth it. That's smart of him too. Cause there's a lot of people who are like, fucking get it right, man. And I it's know. Like, but it's like, it's, it's fun. It's a post. Yeah. Not to sound cliche, but they call it playing for a reason. God damn right. it. Totally. Did, uh, yeah, and two, when you're doing it night after night, when you're doing like six shows, when you're on stage that much, it just becomes a whole different, like, it's weird. Like, because I would go and tour and then I'd come back and do like 10 minute sets in Los Angeles and it was like fucking, I could do it in my sleep. I was like, 
Yeah. Fucking doing eight shows a week. This is nothing. (laughs) Totally. Your little fucking 10 minute set. Fuck you. I'll eat this. Right. (laughs) I know. It's funny. I, I liked, I like that about tour. The just like doing it every night thing to where I got to a point where like, I didn't really like days off because then it just gets you kind of out of the groove. And then like the, the first show back after one day off, like, I feel like we all were a little like, whoa, like I have to like remember how to do this again. You know, like just that thing of just the routine of like doing it every night, getting on the bus, you know, whatever, waking up and getting coffee. Like it, it becomes this routine and yeah, it just kind of becomes like second nature, like you're saying. And dude, it was so fun. I can't wait to go on tour again. Did you come to Marfa to decompress? Because that yeah, must be kind just, of surreal, right? Going from that world to Marfa. I know, right? Well, yeah, it's like, I just really like it out here. I spend a lot of time out here. I've been coming out here. First time I came here was like 2008. And I just really love this place. And yeah, I wanted to, it was like, I was going to be in Dallas. I ended the tour and flew to Dallas and like had Thanksgiving with my family there. And it was kind of this thing of like, well... I'm going to be in Dallas again for Christmas. I have this like couple of weeks, like my subletter is down to stay longer in my house in LA. Like I don't really have to go back to LA for anything. And so I just decided to come out here and just be really relaxed and calm and kind of, yeah, decompress and like cook. Like yesterday, for example, I baked. I never do that. I like baked a galette. I had to make the dough ahead of time from scratch and let it sit for four hours like that i don't do shit like that it was awesome you know (laughs) i love food projects it's good for and it's like i want to bake more um yeah i got into bread and then my wife started doing bread and she kind of kicked my ass so i was like all right i guess you're the bread person (laughs) but i'm gonna do it again just because i liked it like she hasn't been doing it so i was like all right i'll get back to doing it Fucking, but that's. Have you ever baked a galette? No, she may have. She's really good with like the sweet things. Galette. It's, it was fun and not that hard. I want to do it again. It was my first time. So I was like, kind of like overthinking it the whole time because I didn't want to do it wrong, but it ended up being so easy. So I'm, I'm going to try to keep um, perfecting it. It's usually, all that shit's usually easier than, than you think. Like it always right. seems like because I did beef bourguignon once and I was like, oh, this is a. I mean, it's a, and it's a process. It took hours, but it's like you have directions. Like you have to, you know. It's not like an I Love right. Lucy episode where it's you know going to turn into mayhem. No, it's kind of cool when you when you do things like that and you're like, oh, this is like you get to demystify this thing and then you kind of feel like I can do anything. <laughs> you know, like in fact, for example. I started running on this tour. I've never been a runner. I started running. And do you run? No. No. I've run well, on and off. Uh, no. I need to. I have dogs, though, so I do a lot of big dog walks. I love a big dog walk. I mean, the running thing, like, so... I started running at the beginning of the tour, like, when we were doing rehearsals... And by then, you know, and and now I like run. It's crazy. And I'm like, whoa, I could just be a person that runs. Like, you can just do that if you want to do that. Did you have a treadmill on the bus or did you have to run around town? No, that's what I liked about it is I I could see all the cities, you know? That's like kind of why I wanted to do it because I wanted to like see where we were. And so I started off and I could like barely do like two miles and then by the end of the tour, I was doing four miles. That's badass. I go really slow, but it's still four miles. Got to do your own pace. Exactly. In all things in life. Yeah. Go at your own pace. <laughs> Are you going to work on a new album soon? You got any? Yeah, I'm making a record in February. Oh, hot damn. So uh, yeah. written, do you know? Yeah. Are you going to work with uh, Dirty Dan Aid again? No, I don't. Well, <laughs> just probably not. Just because I'm making. I don't want to. I don't want to give too much away. But basically, the person I'm making it with is not in New York, 
and we're getting all people that just like live in that place. I'm being very cryptic. So probably no Dan, maybe Dan could fly some stuff in. I freaking love Dan. I know I've known him. I met him working in a restaurant when I first moved here, like 2000. Well, it wasn't first when I moved here, but like 2005, we were like instant friends. And then he used to have, he had a place in Echo Park, like a little house and they had like a jam room and like all like musicians, we just hang out and like drink and play music, even though I suck at playing drums, but I'd play drums and (laughs) like holiday. It was like, it was family. It was like, he was, he and his roommate and stuff. It was like every Thanksgiving together. And then he, he split and the other roommate split and I just was like heartbroken. Um, well, I want to th- thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with the Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or com or Conversations with the Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.